Today's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focused Fire book club. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 113 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 22nd, 2017, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for another evening back in the farm tonight. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has been said to have the voice of a flower just in well i guess you're the rat king still aren't you yeah i haven't changed that yet okay because it's hard to do on a phone (laughs) you have a computer now though don't you (laughs) i know and that leads me to my next question is how is your tech working for you tonight i'm making it work for me tonight i'm the boss oh everything's gonna fall apart now (laughs) (laughs) it's over no i'm doing great on standby it's fine yeah pins is here But yeah, doing awesome. Great to be here. Can't wait to talk about AI. 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 I? Allen Iverson, right? Yeah, obviously. No. Yeah. Yeah. Sports ball, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? We're talking sports ball tonight, guys. Slight deviation. (laughs) Justin's going to take the lead. (laughs) He's going to pretend he knows what he's saying. Well, you also hear over there our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, how are you doing tonight? I am great. I've got a cold brew coffee nitro, a French press. I've been up since five and <laughs> for ten hours, so I'm good. <laughs> and we did I, just get good. Awesome. We did just get noticed from Beard. He is actually running a little bit behind, but he's going to jump in as soon as he can. Um, so he'll you'll hear him join in hopefully later in the episode. Suddenly, we'll try to we'll try to warn everybody before he jumps in. Um, and then also right before we run through our intro or our topics notes, um, I wanted to take a chance and kind of wish everyone a happy holidays, uh, regardless of what you're celebrating. It's always a good time to. Uh, to spend with family, get the presents. Hopefully that you're you're looking for. I know my uh, my four year old is going to clean clean out everybody. So I hope you guys get as lucky as he is getting because he got all the toys. Considering you had toys. a whole room devoted to the stuff he was getting that you had to go and wrap later. Yeah, yeah, it was a little ridiculous. Like we've been getting packages from family, like. As he gets bigger, the presents, you know, of course, get bigger. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, and like now we're getting requests. Like, oh, well, we're going to come up and visit. Can you can you hide it from him? I'm like, uh, I can try. <laughs> I mean, I miss the good old days when their kids were like a cat and you got them a present and they were more interested in the box. Yeah, we did have we did have a couple of years of that. I actually have a video of him playing with a box that. We were trying to get him to play the to- with the toy that was in the box. No, nope. he was more interested in the Amazon box than he was in the toy. We had we do have actually a video of that. Or 
Or you have uh, you play with uh, the wrapping paper tube, and it's a bow staff when you start, and then after a little while, it's nunchucks. That's the best. <laughs> That's my favorite. Or a lightsaber, and then mm-hmm. then mom gets mad, and it turns into trash. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I know I'm looking forward to diving into the discussion as well as the team here. So let's run through our standard intro notes and then get right into it. Our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at the dangers of artificial intelligence within Destiny. Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed Osiris. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at about 10pm Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our show notes or on our website. Podcasts focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective and highlighting all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the Books of Sorrow. Be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you'd like to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. Before we jump into the information and thoughts the community had about artificial intelligence, however, let's look at this week's Lost Lore. Alright, so this week's Lost Lore, I think we were going to take the chance and kind of talk about, uh, well, what we know as the Warmind of Mars, um, which is basically the only name that we get attributed to that that character uh, in Destiny 1 um, in-game. Now, we do have some nods to that, that figure from Deej. Back before Destiny came out, and that was when they referred to a entity on Mars known as Charlemagne, um, which is where a lot of the, I want to say speculation, but it's more of an assumption that that Warmind on Mars is Charlemagne. Uh, and kind of the hope of a lot of people, and I, I saw this actually in chat today, actually, uh, there we were chatting about the potential of the next DLC being Charlemagne rising up against Rasputin. 
um, kind of a battle of the a battle. Of, what would you call that? A war mind showdown. The uh, clash of the titans, if you would. All of the war sats falling and destroying Mars. That's oh, what I gosh, call. Gosh, yeah. I, I would call that Ragnarok. Is what yes. I would call that. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's another word for it, and I'm just completely. Uh, Reckoning. No, it's um, end times. <laughs> uh, it's Second it's coming. the Greek the Greek mythology, uh, Titanomachy. Yeah, uh, I oh, yeah, don't yeah. think I would have gotten that. Sorry. Titan- well, Titan- the reason Mark. the reason why I say that is because that's very similar to Ragnarok. Um, but I mean, obviously, it's instead of Ragnarok's the end. Titanomachy is kind of one of the beginnings between the Olympians and the Titans. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, yeah, like black flag and chat, a war of the minds. Um, and I, I, I just think that would be a really cool, I think that'd be a really cool way to kind of reintroduce Rasputin into destiny Two, because up until now, really Rasputin, especially <clears throat> he was, he was a big figure in destiny one. And then in Destiny Two, he's still a hinted at big figure. Oh, well, he's I guess not, that's true. He's not he's not central in in the story at the moment, but he's still on the edges and still incredibly powerful. Right, and I guess know. my I, I guess my point there was like the entire Red War, Rasputin didn't seem to do anything. Well, we know that as far as an explanation for that we know that the satellites went out like yeah. there are no satellites eyes out. that's true so that may be a reason why he didn't respond we also know that there's a i want to say a scannable on io where it says or it may be just part of the mission where it says that rasputin is stranded on earth yeah that was part of the uh recibo mission or adventure right because that was right. where the really confusing Rasputin is the only war mind left comment is also made. Right. So Which would be interesting. Do we have any, I don't remember if there's any instances. I know we have a few mentions about Mars in D2, but not much. Not, what not. to do with the cabal. Other than again, in uh, Arecibo, the, the, I guess the secret ending that I wasn't aware was a secret ending where Rasputin or whoever, whichever Warmind is we're interacting with at the time, uh, wipes ghost memories. There's the re- the uh, multiple kind of weird comments about the red planet and the ice caps. Right. But I mean, and I guess, and that's and that's really kind of the other thing with the question of the Warmind of Mars is like, is this actually a a separate entity from Rasputin? Is it a, just another sub mind of, or just an asset of his that he is reclaim or that he has yet to reclaim? Um, you know, how, how exactly does that work? I, I do point out, you know, and I have pointed out this a couple of times that in the golden age, they were explained as planetary war minds, which kind of, to me kind of gives the impression that there was at least one war mind per planet. Right. Um, Which a lot of people tend to believe, but when we released Rasputin on everybody, didn't he take him over? 
Right. And that's, and that's the question is, do these other war mines, are they simply still slumbering, you know, waiting activation and Rasputin just bypass the activation to take their assets for himself? Uh, but don't, don't one of the, uh, doesn't one of the, uh, Rasputin cards refer to him as first among equals? Yes. Yeah. So he's, and, that's where he gets the nickname tyrant or well, they, and also his nickname. From my if you actually look at the symbol, the symbol for a war mind is mm-hmm. just the, it's, it's the little rhombus with the, the bars, but the Rasputin symbol has the little wings coming off of it, which yeah, and we've had to that. me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just seems like in the, in the symbology of it, he's, he's the chief war mind, right? He's the first among equals, um, the, they, the other, the other minds, the other AI forms referred to him as the tyrant. Um, he's Fun apparently, story. he's apparently very grumpy. Yes. Fun story. Charlemagne does not show up in any grimoire from D1. No, Only Charlemagne does not show up in grimoire at all. Martel does, though. Yes. Which is where now. So Charlemagne and that's and that's where it, it kind of gets into more of this being an assumption than kind of a conclusion is because the only real big mention of Charlemagne is actually from out of game from Deej. And I believe it was the, the, the Ides of mail or the mail sack basically before they had this week at Bungie, they would Uh. do uh, things like basically respond to questions and all that for their blog post. And in 2013, I believe it was March. It might've been May of 2013. Um, Deej made a comment about how one of <clears throat> one of the things that we might be seeing in Destiny is a reclamation of Charlemagne or helping Charlemagne on Mars. Um, and then you saw within uh, Destiny 1, I think it was Vanilla, the ghost fragment for Titan is Holborn's host on Mars. And Holborn was a Titan ho- or a Titan commander whose host was predominantly stationed on the Mar the Martian area. Um, and so, but one of his big things in the Ghost Fragment Titan is they were actually on their way to the Dust Palace to to explore and to assist in kind of helping with what was believed to be a war mind. That was when they ran into the the little ghost that they that they spent the, that card talking to that was what they were doing they were gearing up actually getting ready to go um support a few other guardians in their their mission on at the dust palace and then you also see within go there's a i think it's a ghost fragment rasputin uh the one with cade that like it, it actually got rehashed in destiny 2 as part of one of the hunter subclass missions and completely changed the way that I read the card, at least because the way he reads the way they read the card yes. with the voice actor really flips the, how the message is delivered. Um, Cause if you, in destiny one, when we read it, I was thinking that it was kind of like the scions talking to the war mind. And when you hear Nathan Fillion read it as Cade um, in the subclass mission. It actually sounds more like it's Cade 
like an exo speaking to Rasputin and kind of like the the question of loyalty and the question of you know the 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 characterization or the who is in command of whom from a from a war machine's point of view well i mean that's that's something we're going to get into i'm sure a bit later but the fact that exos were not necessarily part of Rasputin's things, but Rasputin had frames mm-hmm. that he was in charge of. Platforms. Platforms is a good way to. Play. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, we definitely will get into that when we talk a little bit about the exos because I kind of have a theory about that, and it ties into kind of the the supposed original story that Destiny was going to have uh, with Rasputin and the Dreadnought and all that. Um, which actually, I think, it, I mean, like, I like the idea that that was presented with that because it made a lot of sense from a Warmind perspective as a commander. Um, but we, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, definitely get into that when we talk on the exos and their entire, the, the entire issue with the exos, because there's, there's a lot of issues with exos as far as AI is concerned. Um, but yeah, so I mean, what are, what are your guys's? I guess what are your guys's thoughts on the whole war mind of Mars? Do you think that's? Do you guys think that that is a separate entity? Do you think it's just a part of Rasputin at at this point? Like, what do you? What are your? Do you think we'll see that go anywhere in the DLC that we know is going to be about war mines? Justin, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, we'll probably see this sussed out some. I, I think it's going to be Charlemagne. I, I don't know if we're going to see the War of the Minds, but um, I-, I think Charlemagne will have a part to play. And we will get to find out the the specifics of the, the war, of the war mine that's on Mars. Green, what about yeah. you? Um, I'm trying to figure, like, I'd like to, I have more of what I'd like to see rather than what I think is going to happen. I'd like to see Charlemagne be kind of an antagonist in some way, shape, or form. Whether he's against uh, Rasputin in general and Rasputin's kind of gone rogue or just some more of a character because right now we just have hints of him with the scions and everything so would you would you rather have charlemagne as an antagonist and rasputin as the protagonist or yes so rasputin is the good and charlemagne's the bad because see i the reason i would i think it'd be a nice twist because everyone's expecting rasputin to go bad and to go crazy right right i was about to say because that's that's actually kind of in the the opposite way that a lot of people seem to think yes. of Rasputin. Right. Is they, they kind of be, view Rasputin as the bad one. And I think that would be kind of interesting to see him actually develop a more good side. My dogs are on a tear tonight. Plus we're dog sitting. So if you <laughs> hear them in the background, they are just having a good old time. <laughs> um. But okay, so that that kind of is where we are with lore, lost lore. As far as items that kind of touch on this, 
like I like I mentioned, there there's not a lot. Um, there is the 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 war mine, the intact. I think it's the intact war mine core that is codenamed Martell from Destiny One, um, and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, but if you mm-hmm. look at the real life connections, so going a little bit breaking fourth wall, Martell is actually the grandfather of Charlemagne. Um, so that's where another little bit of a connection is drawn there as well. And we, we talked about that quite a bit in the Rasputin episode, um, which I think I'm trying to remember what episode that was. I know we touched on it in episode 105 with War Mines in episode 62. Episode um, 14 was 14. War Mines. Episode 20, I have them all listed in the mind okay. map. Rasputin was 62. Okay, perfect. Okay, okay. So yeah, we definitely kind of explore that a little bit more in that episode. Um, but I know, <clears throat> kind of speaking of Rasputin, do, uh, do you want to jump just right into kind of breaking that out a little bit or do you want to do you think we've had it what are your what are your thoughts on that guys because i mean rasputin is pretty much a a pillar of an example for ai in destiny well we can use him as a framework and then kind of relate things back to him because i have a feeling that's what's going to happen anyway during he's the pivotal ai yeah well framework that was was that a pun framework I like it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I'm I'm good with it. This guy sweeping the fire here, so. is driving me a little crazy right now. <laughs> oh, now he's dancing with his broom. Um. So, <clears throat> and I and I and one of the cool things about so one of the one of the big things about AI artificial intelligence. Real quick, before we before we jump into specific artificial intelligences within Destiny, I, I really do want to point out that what makes an artificial intelligence is basically an intelligence that's displayed by machines. Um, so this is usually contrasted with what's called natural intelligence, which is displayed by humans and animals and other things like that. So in computer science terms, artificial intelligence research is defined as the study of intelligent, what's called intelligent agents. And this is basically any device that perceives its environment and takes actions that maximize its chance of success at some goal. So that is what, when we say artificial intelligence, that's what we're talking about. Basically, it is a non-natural entity or thing that is displaying an intelligence. So... I mean, it, it. I mean, most people know what artificial intelligence is, but just in case you wanted some more clarification on what we say there, that's what that is, and that's why sometimes when you look at the characters within Destiny, things like EXO, the EXOs are technically, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the EXOs are technically, I would say, by that definition, considered artificial intelligence, because as and in this ex, this is. Because of the information that we have as of right now, it doesn't seem that the exos have any organic components. Um, we have idle dialogue from Cade from the treasure maps that actually speaks about how the bodies were left behind. He has bones, but they were left behind. So they are copies of a conscience, but they are not physical. They're not natural bodies, um, which will 
that that can open a a very large tangent into the ghost in the machine and philosophical frameworks of of what it means to be a natural person and i understand that fully i'm going to try not to go down that that road um because then we'll be here for days um but that that's that's a really good kind of a starting point for understanding what we mean when we talk about AI. Um, another thing to keep in mind is we might <clears throat> we're going to refer to a lot, or I'm going to refer to a lot, is something called the the laws of robotics. This is again, if you're if you're familiar with science fiction, um, this is something that is very very popular in science fiction, uh, especially science fiction that deals with robotics um, or anything anything with AI. Um, and so the law of robotics is a concept that was basically coined by Isaac Asimov. Um, and it's, it's basically three laws. And the three laws, let me pull them up real quick to law make sure zero, that... Zero, one, two... Well, actually, interestingly enough, the zeroth law, which is the added the, later, was it was added uh, a couple of years after the three laws because, well, well, I'm going to talk about that in we'll just a second. We'll get into it. Yeah. So the first law is a robot may not injure a human being, or or may not injure a human being, or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. That's the first law. Second law is a robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings, except when such are orders would conflict with the first law. And then the third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So this is actually something really kind of fascinating by because by Asimov's own kind of clarification he didn't even actually see these as needing to be put down into pay or onto paper because it's really common sense humans wouldn't create a tool that would violate any of these laws um you can't like so instead of a robot let's well, not say, intentionally <laughs> well i mean <clears throat> right but i mean like but intentionality is the point right you don't when you create a tool the the intention of that creation, how someone else takes a tool and uses it does not negate the, the intention of the creator of the tool. Right. I mean, could you agree with that? Yeah. Have a tool that can self think because normally a tool has to be directed at something for it to cause injury. Well, and you can argue that an AI is directed at something as well. Learned intelligence. At the world. Yeah. Learned intelligence. Or at the task. The Mm -hmm. goal at hand. Um, which actually is where, um, in 1956, Elijah Bailey actually made the argument and well, okay. So, sorry. Um, so there were the three laws of robotics. Then Asimov actually in, in response to the, the statement that you actually just made green actually wrote another one that actually preceded all of them. And he called it the zeroth law. And he says, a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm. So basically what this does is this opens the door to robots playing a longer game and allowing individual pieces of humanity to come to harm if the overall humanity doesn't come to harm, which actually was taken up later by another author who goes who was Elijah Bailey, 
1956 made an argument to the zeroth law and actually modified it further, saying that a robot may not harm a human being unless they find a way to prove that ultimately the harm done would benefit humanity in general. The Hitler effect? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, which, that, yeah. Going, I'm, I'm, I struggle with the Hitler effect because of our conversation about timelines. Mm-hmm. But yes, like, and, and that's entirely, it's like, it's a separate argument, but it kind of, to me, blends. Uh, but yes, yeah, pretty much it is that effect. And Green, do you want to, do you want to expand on, since you, since you wanted, you brought that up, do you want to expand on what that is? Oh, just the fact that if you were to, well, I mean, it kind of blends the timeline effect of if you were to go back and kill Hitler, would you actually prevent something or create an opening for something much worse? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the problem with the AI idea. Like, if an AI can prove or a robot can prove that by getting rid of said person X or whoever, it would actually <laughs> benefit humanity. That that's a really kind of tenuous type argument, just because you can't necessarily prove into the future what that person's going to do, or if by getting rid of that person, it would actually create worse a worse scenario in the long run. Right. And that's where you have um, authors such as Arthur C. Clarke um, and a, a number of different science fiction authors who kind of, kind of took the laws and, and so the, the, to kind of take those, take a, a look at the literary history of AI, really one of the biggest things was how can we break the laws without breaking the laws? Right. Like Philip K. Dick did this in pretty much every single novel that he'd had or not novel, I guess, short story. Mm -hmm. Um, His biggest thing was how can we make a loophole or how can we exploit the loopholes within these laws in a way that doesn't break the laws, but makes it really break the law. You know, like the, the whole total recall blade runner, all those, those books that were, or those movies that were based in Philip K. Dick's stories that's what they were. They were all about the moral imperatives or the, the moral issues that those laws create. Um, and that's where a concept such as computational transparency really comes into play. And I want to say it was Clark that kind of introduced this idea. But basically, computational transparency is where you have a situation in which an AI is allowed to do exactly what Bailey was talking about or what you're kind of mentioning here is allow harm to come to an individual as long as they can prove in a computation that they reveal to everyone and that everyone agrees with that that action or inaction um, would actually benefit humanity as a whole. And Justin, I know you, I know you were going to weigh in on this one. Oh no, I was just, uh, it's and it's actually that's following those laws actually mimics us as human human beings following our sets of morals and ethics right. while we try to you know traverse our lives we we do the same check you know like uh, a character in a science fiction movie who who yeah yeah we should most people do some people are broken and they don't but um, you know, they should be taken out of service. They're broken. But, um, you know, it's it's the same process. Um, and the only difference is 
who put these structures in place, who put these laws in place um, for a human being with an, with an organic actual intelligence uh, it's environment and, you know, um, indoctrination into a certain way of thinking to, to an artificial intelligence. It is, um, you know, it's the rigid structure of its programming, which are the laws within the confines of which it actually is allowed to operate. And the, I mean, blues can probably speak to this better than I could just because he's more versed in like computer programming, but I would think the more open-ended the laws, the, the wider, the wider a spectrum an artificial intelligence would have within which to operate. Um, but you know, uh, a machine making a judgment call. Cause we actually have machines today that make judgment calls. We, mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing it all the time now with, uh, self-driving cars. Now it's on a very short scale. You know, it's, it's on a very short timeline and a small scale that they're actually able to take past learned behavior of other motorists on the, sh- on the road and, and, and make a judgment call really quick based on that. I mean, it, this is this is very small scale compared to the complex, you know, uh, the complex neural processes of the human brain. But these are the baby steps that lead to the to the giant leaps. And just real quick before I uh, I know uh, Blue had something, but uh, I just wanted to to point out the there actually is. Um, something called a neural network mm-hmm. uh which is what you actually have in your brain it's a, it's a network of neurons firing and they they act almost like tiny little switches um sending Similar. and stop sending and stopping electrical sig bioelectrical signals and there's actually an artificial neural network and they exist in little small they're you know in the thousands of processors, uh, a large artificial neural network will have hundreds or thousands of processor units, which mimic the, the individual neurons in your brain. The human brain has billions mm-hmm. of neurons. So what we're lacking here is the ability to reliably recreate the scale of the human brain. And no one can quite say what it is about these billions of neurons interconnected that it's, I mean, it's the closest thing to magic we have on, on our planet is whatever happens inside the, the billions of neurons that makes you, you that, that is that spark of a consciousness. We do have one advantage as far as neural networks go over machines neural net networking in so much that the way that machines work on a binary basis for the most part pretty much almost exclusively but our brains work on a chemical basis too mm-hmm. so not only are you having these electrical impulses during the neurons but you're also having different types of chemicals flooding through your brain which affects it in different ways so it can yeah. give it extra boost or be a detriment, giving it a depressant type feel, which mm-hmm. Blue, I know you, you've got a ton of background in with the psychology and everything. 
So we actually can function in a like a three-way stance. It's not just binary, but you also have the chemical compound, chemical component. And our neurons are actually capable of what's called an analog signal, whereas most computers um, function with what's called a digital signal or a discrete signal, which is a one or a zero. There are two states. It's a one or a zero. Um, An analog signal exists on a scale. between uh, whatever you want to set the scale to be zero to a hundred percent, you know, zero to 10, 10 to 465 doesn't matter, but you can actually have variable signals there, which yes, you are absolutely correct. Is a, is a very big advantage for us. Yes. It gives us ability to actually function in a much more um, precise manner. Yeah, dynamic. Which is which is actually so. I, there's a couple of things I want to kind of touch on with that. Um, first off, so working working kind of backwards here. Um, in regards to the analog signal, that's actually something that we're trying to develop in technology. Um, is converting that that into so that they're not restricted to a digital thing, and it's it's very kind of very interesting. Um, the other thing that I really kind of liked, Justin, with what you were saying is that that con- that that comment about magic, which um, it's one of my favorite quotes from Arthur C. Clarke, is that basically um, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, it's just it's one of my favorite quotes from him. But um, yeah, it, it it really is, and it's it's so cool. Re- looking at the research that's being done in trying to to convert the knowledge that we have about the human brain into a artificial learned entity, um, and that actually brings me to kind of one of my other my other points. Real, real there is uh, this is actually something that I kind of work on, um, and that is learned intelligence, and so that kind of goes into what's usually considered. So everyone's probably somewhat familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs for natural intelligent individuals or natural individuals like humanity. There is actually a hierarchy of needs within data science and uh, basically artificial intelligence. And that actually stems into kind of, or kind of blends into what you were talking about. Uh, Just real quick. There's actually where, whereas Maslow only had five levels of uh, hierarchy, um, the data science actually breaks it out into six and it's it's not it's not just the hierarchy of needs it's also the hierarchy of development um and so the first level is basically data collection uh and that's basically asking the question what do you need and what is available and that's one of the big things when we're kind of de- uh developing something that we're going to be looking at building a a rudimentary ai or basically which is the final form uh something that is self actualized but the, so the first step is basically how do we collect this? What do we need to collect? Um, you know, is it available? Where and all that. The second stage is what we call moving and storing or data flow. And so what we do with that is this is this is the part where you kind of decide where do we store the information and basically how easy it is to access or analyze that information. And then once we kind of get that stage done, we go to the third stage, which is exploring and transforming, which is also what a lot of data scientists call data cleaning, 
um, which is where basically we analyze the data and we say, okay, what is missing? What needs to be changed with the data? And, you know, how does, how does this all kind of get better? Which then blends into aggregating and labeling it. So it's a, it's a fourth stage that's basically, this is where you kind of, if you ever have heard the term business intelligence uh, or data analysts, this is, this is it. Data analysis and business intelligence is this fourth stage, which is aggregating it. And this is where we begin to basically build features that we're going to incorporate into what's called a learning model. A lot of businesses out there, especially in the financial world and green, I, I'm sure you're, you're starting to see a lot of this as well as I am. Um, this is where a lot of us are, uh, financial institutions such as banks. This is where a lot of them are right now is we are, we are learning and we're aggregating these and we're labeling all the data. We have years and years of data and we're actually kind of transcending into the next stage, which is what's the learning and the optimizing. Um, and this is where you see a lot of data experimentation, so what this is, data experimentation is, this is what is considered the basic level of machine learning. Um, there are banks out there, uh, and I, I actually am not allowed to say the names of them, but there are banks out there who have rudimentary AI that help them do their daily jobs. And they have spent years and years, and this is this is one of the things, if you guys follow me on Twitter uh, a couple months back when I was out at a conference, I actually got to spend a lot of time talking to some of these companies and they have spent years and years building these learning, learning processes and learning models for these, these basic programs in which they can turn around and, you know, for banks. So for banks, the big, the big thing that we focus on is, um, lending, right? Lending is, uh, that's the bread and butter of banks. Um, and so a lot of these learning models are based around, do we lend or do we not lend? Do we approve or decline a deal? You know, all this, what are we looking at? You know, all this, all these different data points, all the statistics about St- yeah. who would actually be a good lender. And I mean, and there's a, a ton, right, right. Opportunities for lending, you know, the risk management of that lending. It's, it's a huge, huge situation for banks. Um, learning models that are being built right now for our, my line of business are basically taking all these different data points, analyzing them, and then kicking out a, a basically what's called a scorecard to tell, to tell the lender or the individual asking, what's the risk, what's the potential turnaround, the detriment, you know, all these different data points. And then that allows us to more quickly make a decision, um, and there are companies out there even today who, you know, up until very recently, we we have seen that only being used as kind of giving advice, you know, like, hey, this is probably not a good person to lend to, but you need to review it. Now you're seeing a lot of companies or well, not a lot, but you're starting to see companies who are letting those programs completely decide on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is basically creating a a very quick turnaround time because what that's doing is it's saying hey these are the data points this is the data spread that we have this is the outliers that we're going to be on the lookout for but if they fall within the median of this bell curve they're good they're approved we will give them these conditions blah you know blah, blah blah still have the human interaction but that actually allows the human involvement to be increased by on a human relationship level whereas the the data analysis the business intelligence is being analyzed by a machine Um, and so what you're seeing is that that's where a lot of companies are today. Um, 
there's not <clears throat> I would I would argue that currently in reality there's not a lot of self-actualized AIs out there. Um there there is arguments depending on who you talk to that there are um they're very rare and usually extremely expensive. So a lot of companies are not investing that in in that particular thing. Um but that that's kind of where the hierarchy and the hierarchy of development comes from. Uh, as far as the hierarchy of needs, it's really actually kind of simple for for a computer. You have power, parts, and peace. Uh, and that kind of the argument there is that you know the first the first level of of needs for any artificial intelligence is power. You know, electricity. How do how do I how do how do you power the hardware that it it exists in just the same as a human would be, you know, physiological, uh, personal security, you know, food, water, all that. And then the next part is kind of parts. And that kind of goes into self repair. Like how do I take care? How does this entity take care of itself? Um, and then the final and the biggest part, just the same as with a natural intelligence is self actualization for an artificial intelligence, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the same. It's, it's a peace peace with the world around it. And actually the, the contradiction here is that humanity is actually arguably artificial intelligence's greatest threat, which kind of ties into the argument here that it's like, Hey, um, the person who created you is actually the biggest problem. Uh, and, and this is, you know, this is where you see a lot of science fiction kind of, kind of take off as far as you know like the terminator series uh the the atrocious irobot movie um ultron ultron yes that was the other oh, one gosh. i was like there was another one that i couldn't remember ultron ultron was the oh, was that as well but i mean and and that's and that's really where you see a lot of these really like dark and dystopian kind of models and ideas that's that part is what they focus on um yeah so you yeah. gotta watch chappy Ch- i know i know you told me that i just i watched bright today i had the day off oh, so i watched bright oh my <laughs> gosh it's amazing oh, big sweet. shout out to that team that made that that was that was an amazing movie so yeah. let's bring this back into Destiny. Destiny and how that relates back to the AI. And I think we should bring in our our first caller. Oh, the grizzly Beard. one? Yeah. Beard. There. I'm a first caller. What? Long time listener. Long time listener, yes. Yes. Hello, this is uh, FFC Tech Support. How can we help you? Oh, no, Jesus, no, don't no. you even today. No, no, I don't need to that. Please, no. Please, for the love of God, no. So Stop. let's talk about the dangers of tech support, AI. The dangers of tech support, tech support really? <laughs> dangers of tech support is... Dangers of tech support not, is limiting AI so that it can't take over the world. <laughs> it might do a better job. What? <laughs> nah, no one can replace pins. He might throttle me if I break my computer again, but no one can replace him. Look, look, let's not talk about throttling, okay? Nobody needs to think about that right now. should have that happen again. I've actually had requests from people to have more recordings of you with broken soundboard. Oh, well, Lord. He's going to have to figure out how to break it and also how to fix it <laughs> when, when we're done. Mm. 
Fantastic. Within Destiny itself, we have a couple of examples of true AIs and some partial AIs, would you say? Limited. Subroots, limited. Yeah, limited AIs. That's a better, better wording for it. How, I mean, A, let's just list off the ones that we know. Rasputin's the big one. Exos are a version of an AI. Are they? Anyway. Yes. I I will argue that they are. From a technical support, Mm. like from a purely physical version, yes. Consciousness, though? Yeah, but it's yeah, okay. Anyway, we we yeah, I will I'm argue. Say we'll look. Argue we'll be here all that. night. I know. I know. Yeah. What EXO really are like? Right. It, it could honestly be like its own its own uh, video. It really could be. So update on EXOs. Yeah. Yeah. You may as well. Yeah. Chat. Noted. No. Putting it back on the poll. Um. <laughs> so we have Rasputin mm-hmm. EXOs to an extent ish fail safe which mm-hmm. is more of a partial and which other ones blue uh okay Type so in. we got we got <clears throat> yeah i know sorry um i was i was trying to let you talk um oh, we, okay. we have <laughs> war mines <laughs> war mines sub mines you have your ship artificial intelligence uh mm-hmm. slash operating systems uh weapons artificial intelligence and operating systems. You have nanotechnology such as SIVA. Um, mm. And then you have EXOs, which I, I understand, but EXOs I kind of consider as an advanced form of frames in general. So yes. within frames, you have actually your own hierarchy breakout there. We know of, I would, so this is where I might get disagreed with here, but there's three types of frames. We have the EXOs, we have, mm the 9940s and then the 5530s and then technically i think there was a pre like a a, precursor a really type one yeah a precursor that yeah. we saw in ishtar academy but we never got a model number on it so i i mean like i don't know what they are they they there and they are referred to as frames um but in game right now we do have those three different types um, and then really actually a, a one that got introduced in Destiny 2 that I'm actually kind of excited to to see more about is planetary operating systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that in the Lost Pacific area with uh, mm-hmm. on Titan. What, what they were oh. trying to do with it? Well, like, it's just like the operating system is still like somewhat operational. And like it's yeah. got like the random like little... Uh, <laughs> jingles about you know how it's like not clovis break right. <laughs> i would i also, would also that's not an ai well no right no but i mean it's stuff. it's a rudimentary form of artificial intelligence because it it maintains yeah. uh the life the um the uh well, life support systems of um, that that facility uh real quick it might make it a lot easier for the conversation if we just kind of laid out the four basic types of AI. Yes, please. Um, so there, there's like four pretty universally held different types of AI. The first is a reactive machine. Oh, um, I, I would, I would, um, probably put Siva in the reactive machine category, but, um, just if you need a destiny example, but these are just, uh, 
simple artificial intelligence that just react to a specific stimuli and perform a st- specific task. The next is a limited memory. Um, this is what I was talking about with the self-driving cars. Um, it's a type two type of AI. It it can um, use memory data, but only from a limited um, period of time. It doesn't, uh, they liken it to the difference between a self-driving car and a driver who's been driving for 15 years and uses his experience over that to make decisions on the road. The self-driving car just uses data from the last, I don't know, from this drive to make Mm. decisions. The third type is called theory of mind. So this is an AI that's been modeled after the human mind to make decisions like a human mind would. And in in a lot of ways, functions like a human mind does. Um, But it's missing, you know, that little bit of magic we were talking about. Um, And then the, the, and, and also theory of mind and the next one are both kind of crossing into science fiction. We, we don't really have AI like this. Um, the last is type four self-aware AI. And this is AI that has gotten so advanced that it's able to um, form representations about itself. So it's actually able to make observations about itself and it refers to itself and, and has, you know, kind of feelings. So, so it's, it's uh, not murder if it's robots, but sometimes it can. Be oh my murder. gosh. That, that, <laughs> that challenge always makes me feel bad. Uh, so here's um, a question then, as far um, as the development of the AI or the continual development, would an AI automatically start at the self-aware space? Base, because no, don't hmm. they have to acquire so much data or input before they be- can somewhat become self-aware? Uh, well, no. It to be intelligent, I'll let Blue take this. But uh, to be intelligent, all it has to do is is take is take um, inputs and make a logical decision and and give an output. I can I can wire a very crude electrical circuit to do that. Like right. That that's that's a logical that's a logical circuit. I mean, so artificial intelligence at the base level, at the at the very low level, is is very crude. Well, my question it, I think has more to do, and this is going to probably set off pins and chat a little bit, but <laughs> is actually with Cortana because Cortana is based off of Dr. Halsey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, clone of Dr. Halsey. Is she emotionally aware? when she initially is made or is it and it wasn't until she had started some of the breaking the breaking off point or i can't thank you rampancy when she started that that she actually became emotionally more teenager ish i guess is a oh okay yeah um i can take this one real quick um so I think you're asking for a part. Uh, I think the confusion, at least maybe my confusion here is I'm talking like in general constructs, like uh, mm-hmm. not individual constructs. So like an individual construct, uh, Cortana, for example, since we, we know more about Cortana's origin than we do about Rasputin's is the only reason I, I kind of would go this way. Um, Cortana was aware of herself when she was turned on. 
Um, okay. Like she, she was the the model of AI within the Halo universe that Cortana falls within is what's called a smart AI. Um, which going kind of back to Justin's hierarchy here, there there are structures, there are hierarchies within the AI in Halo as well. There are smart AIs, there are dumb AIs, there are base AIs. Like you know, uh, supervisor is kind of a, a, a stretch between a base and a dumb AI. Um, and the dumb AIs are like we call them quote dumb AIs. They're still super intelligent artificial intelligences. But they're not but they're capable of. Yeah. yeah, they're more reactionary. Um, they're more intuition of that, and right. They're more that theory other. of mind kind of level. Okay. Um, and they're also, yeah. They're whereas like a smart AI is um, able to make intuitive leaps and connections and conclusions, and they they are just they're self aware much much more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Cortana as a smart AI, the smart AI instances are fully aware of themselves when they're first created um right okay pens and chat is clarifying that dumb ais are basically they are experts on a particular field whereas okay. a smart ai is and more you know, all-encompassing j- a jack of all trades it, it can be a master of all trades the trade-off is they they have a limited lifespan right they have a limited okay. shelf life because so they think AIs. themselves to death they can learn multiple constructs like they can uh, yes yes versus dumb ais which are so like a, a good example their own framework um, of this specific framework yeah so like a good example of a dumb ai is basically very similar to what we see in destiny and the planetary war mines um it's it's basically a difference between a, a, what I would consider a generic planetary war mind and Rasputin, right? Rasputin is kind of more of a smart AI construct, whereas a the the golden age kind of presentation that I kind of read as the war minds are more of those dumb AIs. They're very structured. They're very limited in their scope of what they know, and they can make decisions. They are experts within that field of expertise. Like within that particular field, they are the top of the field. Outside of the field, they have next to no knowledge and they can't really, they're not designed to extrapolate information. Whereas Rasputin, as kind of the controller of that entire network, is. He can take that information from Warmind A and Warmind B and extrapolate an answer for Situation C. That's the difference between a adaptability right D- dynamic not. it's it's the dynamic right. it's it goes back to the the comment that justin had justin i know you'll have, you have maybe something to say about this but it goes back into that conversation between a di a uh, analog and a digital decision process and decision like interpretation um there's a there's a a smart ai would have a range Whereas a dumb AI would kind of be more limited to that on-off, and that's a terribly mm-hmm. oversimplified answer. But Justin, you might you might be able to say that a bit better. Yeah, no, uh, you're you're absolutely correct. You, do you know we actually have an artificial intelligence right now that can paint a subject, any subject you put in front of it, and paint it in the style of say Van Gogh, down to the weight of the brushstrokes. It can paint a painting when they hook it up to a uh, a CNC with a with a brush attachment. That same AI that is 
in terms of ability, smarter than I'll ever be, could never learn to play something very simply on the guitar. It's just not in its programming. It is, it's a dumb AI without changes to its, to its, you know, it's, uh, what would you call it? It's substrate or it's, uh, it's yeah. base programming. Yeah, sorry. You, yeah, no, you're good. Like, uh, without changes, fundamental changes to that, um, it, it will never be more than that. And that's, you know, blues absolutely correct. Dumb AI is a, an incredible misnomer. Um, I, I would prefer like a term like focused AI or, yeah, I can see that. I, uh, I like that actually. It's it's actually an it's an artificial intelligence that's built for a specific purpose. And in that purpose, it's second to none. But yes, it 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 struggles to to do the things that make humans um that make human operators invaluable, which is making important decisions on limited information using things like past experience. Um, learned behaviors, intuition, gut feelings, things like that, that, you know, I mean, that, that make us, you know, kind of irreplaceable at the moment. Maybe one day that'll be different. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the difference between smart AI and, and dumb AI. I would say someone like, uh, Rasputin is more, a smart AI and um, who would you say fail safe is fail safe. Uh, yeah. Well, fail safe would be more on. She transcends a bit, but she, I'm going to say she started as a, a dumb AI. Then they unhinged her. Yeah. And now at this point, she's I think able that's to, part of the to split build. too. Honestly. Yes. Is, I, I think s- that's exactly right. Is the split somewhat similar to a rampancy or is it more of an infection? Mm. I, I think actually it might be a little bit of both because yeah. that and and here here's another really fun one of my fun quotes is the 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 line between genius and insanity is whether or not mm. it works. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, because I mean that's the thing is like yeah. if you look at some of the things that the the geniuses in, in human history have done, it's like you know if that had not worked, you would have been the laughing stock for like centuries. But because it worked, because it like against all odds, this one little thing worked, you're seen as like a genius. And and it really I mean, it's it's that 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 question of that ingenuity to think outside the box. Um, that's, again, kind of going back to the difference between AIs. And that's what as far as, you know, kind of coming a little bit full circle as to back into the topic of the the episode. That's where it gets starts to get dangerous. Because that that degree of ingenuity also means that they don't really because you can't think outside the box if you're locked inside the box, right? If you're right. bound, adapt blah, blah blah being able to adapt right the surround. But the problem is, is that because once you and this is again kind of going back to the science fiction that you see a lot or science fantasy, whatever you want to call it. Um, that you see a lot of about AIs and the, the, the dangers of those creatures or those entities, I guess, um, is the question of, okay, if you allow the AI to break or ignore the rules, like the laws of robotics, you can have amazing things. 
However, you can also have absolutely terrifying things happen. Just you'll have you. Arnold going, "I'll be back." <laughs> well, yeah, or you know, just go watch a couple episodes of Black Mirror and right. have Whoa. fun with that. All right, Cookie. That's another what? good one. We right. call it a cookie. Oh God. Yeah. Except Cookie. Okay, that was a bad. That's a bad example because Cookie actually ah. shows the problem with humanity, not the problem with the AI. But. Yeah. <laughs> um. I was going to say this. Uh, there's one of my favorite AIs in, in all of science fiction is um, Mycroft Holmes from oh. the moon. Oh from the moon is a harsh mistress. <laughs> oh I, I actually, when we talk about, when we talk about failsafe, uh, it really thinks me, makes me think of Mycroft Holmes and Rasputin and all these different AI and destiny and that he became self-aware Simply because the technician and and you got to remember that book was written what in the seventies or it, it was written all, yeah, it was written a while ago I think yeah there were no Pentium chips when when uh, this but book they had was written by, brains yeah so so basically the programmer for this supercomputer which took up a whole room kind of like the the War Mind room uh you know that you go the Warsat room or whatever for all the uh, Rasputin missions. Um, the programmer didn't do programming like Blue does programming at work. He actually went in and made hardware alteration to, to logical circuits, kind of like our first computers. You know, the when you see the, the first IBM that was so big, you know, that mm-hmm. took up two rooms. So he would actually go in and he would be making solder connections and, he would be hooking up logical alterations to his physical circuits. And um, he, at some point, exceeded the number of connections that, that exist in a human brain. And all of a sudden, this supercomputer is now um, is now uh, self-aware and and is now reached the highest tier of artificial intelligence. So I guess my, my question is, do we think maybe... Rasputin uh, entities and destiny like Rasputin, or maybe even to a lesser extent, failsafe. D- is it possible that they just got their hooks in too many resources? I think and, with Rasputin, that's exactly the case. Yeah, I, I'm going to say I would say Rasputin would fit that. I don't think failsafe does because she's a little. She was she was meant with more of a intended purpose. I guess if well, we go back to what we were saying before. And I guess my question back on to kind of counter argue that though, Beard is also though that could be a that could also be the explanation for the split because if you if you think about what failsafe kind of the name failsafe is, she's a failsafe for I guess what would be implied the original ship's AI. So what if she mm-hmm. overwrote the original ship's AI and that's actually the split? Like, okay, which is kind of where I was thinking the. The other side of the argument and where and where I'm not like totally sure that I want to go like one way or another with it is she has access to the Vex network, right? Right. Like Which she's is, able yeah. to legitimately think and and build on like what she needs uh from from any point in space or time. And at least theoretically. Mm-hmm. And by like having all of this access it has been a question in my mind of like how far she can go. Her initial intended purpose was a very low end split. It was, it was a very uh, like program purpose. 
turning that hinge off though and allowing it to like open up i think that's where the the difference does come in that's where that that argument does uh, uh show up and i i doubt that the split personality which is one thing that i wish that we heard uh the crew kind of talk about with failsafe if like she did develop that split personality when they unhinged her that that would be fantastic to know oh and it's yeah, like after this they question crashed. yeah like oh, when did it happen when did failsafe start to build that uh because if we knew more of 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 that end like did she develop it quickly or was it something that took that long in order for it to do because we're obviously still not sure on like timeline and everything like that we have a fair idea but we're not sure plus vex time travel what green i (laughs) I know you had something well the thing with failsafe that kind of drives me a little crazy is that we know kind of her capacities Mm -hmm. of what she's actually able to function at like she's she's right mainly functioning and you get this percentage quote whenever you go and hang out by her she's mainly functioning on just like base base unit like survival functions like the the core the nuclear core is functioning at a high level there's a couple of other things but her data stores her memory stores are actually not they're like at 30 percent if i remember correctly i had to go quote somewhere i have it written down but she's functioning at such a low percentage at this point because of the the break i'm assuming or if just natural degrading that she has my question well, is what ahead, i'm sorry caused, what caused her to get to that point where besides the ship kind of falling down and falling apart mm. what would cause her to come forward as the primary ai just cut off from the the data stores with the ai that used to run the ship or well, was there something else and that's, I think, part of the problem where we don't know a lot of information on how a colony ship is built. Uh, we don't know necessarily like where the data stores are within said colony ship. We don't know how much of Failsafe's AI is necessarily integrated into her AI banks themselves. Now, is that that whole thing that she's encased in? Is that her entire supply? Because the the actual core for uh, the system, I think, runs at like 85%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were gearing up for a very, very long trip. They were they were gearing up to go somewhere in the area about 7 billion miles away because they were heading towards the Kepler system. And this would have been something that even at like 85%, for like what they were looking at, if we're gauging it by like a it's seven eight hundred year timeline where the collapse had happened, uh, that's still not enough. Like not even close. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Like we we don't and you know theoretical speeds when you end up hitting interstellar space and so on. Boy, when did I end up? Uh, anyway, this isn't going to be an interstellar space travel episode. So yeah. the oh, why can't it? Oh yeah, God! Here that. comes Mars. At some Matthew point, we should talk about that. Let's go to Mars, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, even NASA might now. Boeing is going to get there before everybody else. Anyway, um, that's where they can't follow through on. What's that? Just because they made a bit, they can't follow through on. <laughs> 
Um, no, what I meant by that, uh, like we don't know necessarily like those data stores. The data stores could be like corrupted, hindered, etc. And that is by uh, failsafe's means to possibly keep the crew alive longer or keep herself in service longer. Is it something where, like our brains, when they go into cryostasis, the thinking is after so long they will end up uh, kind of losing a little bit of their retention. Uh, they'll they'll basically start to, uh, in a way, lose uh, part of memory, so on, because you've been in cryostasis so long. Uh, is the same thing kind of happening with failsafe? Because she's been out there as long as she has, and she knows that. So she needs to start flipping systems off. And because of this, she starts to lose a lot of the uh, data stores that she has inside the system. But again, are those data stores just within that AI vault, mm -hmm. quote-unquote vault is what we're going to call it? Uh, or are they on another completely different part of the ship? Are they spread out along the ship? Because if that's the case, then 30% might make a little bit of sense when whole integrity is 18%. Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. What happens when you have a, I'm okay. You were, you, now I'm trying to remember what Justin called it. As far as the hierarchy, when you have a, an AI that is focused on one task or focused on one field, what happens when you have that kind of AI that gets possibly integrated with a reactionary AI? So you're almost thinking like a war mind and a, and a sub mind. Not a war mind, exactly, because that's too advanced. I'm thinking more sure. like um, a ship AI that's functionality is primarily for the ship or for taking care of the crew and whatnot, like failsafe mm -hmm. with a, a, an AI. And I know Blue knows where I'm going with this because I've talked about it with him a few times <laughs> um, with an AI type like SIVA. Uh, what mm, happens when you combine mm. the two of them? Well, okay. well, the SIVA would be kind of like a tool. Right. I'm like going to say it. At that like, point, you look at, uh, what, what was it? Was it, uh, was it Exodus Black? Where they, uh, the, the card where it says the SIVA mites were buzzing? Uh, Exodus uh, Red. Red. Red, okay. Um, yeah, the, the, but the Red had mentioned how you know, everything was just kind of buzzing in the way that, like, in the back of its mind, basically trying to take itself over, mm -hmm. uh, which is I incredibly interesting with the way that, like, an AI could effectively use it. Uh, sorry, Justin, I know you had something to add to that. Oh, no worries. No, yeah, you, you're you're absolutely right. But we've we've actually seen that uh, dichotomy or that that hierarchy already exist in the game in Rise of Iron. You had Rasputin for a limited time at least, yep. directing SIVA. Um, yep. And you can you can kind of think of it like um, your computer when you boot it up. You have your operating system, which is the smartest component of your computer's software. Mm -hmm. But at its disposal, your operating system has many different sub-programs, or they call them applications now. But um, you can think of, uh, in this in this example the the higher mind or the higher intelligence like failsafe or rasputin or whatever as your operating system and you could think of siva as say malware bytes malware bytes doesn't know how to do anything but just delete malware 
-hmm. Just consume, enhance, replicate malware (laughs) all day long, right? But it needs to be directed by by certain things in your operating systems to allow. It needs permissions to do what it needs to do. Don't mess with your registry, kids. Uh, yeah. So blue, blue, can, blue Well, sometimes, beards, sometimes PSA. you've got to mess with your registry because sometimes people are nosy as to what they're getting for Christmas. What's what's that? I I, I don't know what you're I talking about. I don't dig into it. that. <laughs> oh, Which Lord, that's the I, I hate. Welcome that that's to the my time world. We live in. Welcome to I, my I, world. I, Basically, don't, basically. Don't you, hate, don't you hate that the world we live in now is the equivalent of when we were kids, which was shaking the present under the tree, is now <laughs> going into your parents' search history. It's <laughs> very cash file, kids. <laughs> I got my dad's Lord. Google wallet number. Oh, uh, God. No, carry on. <laughs> Gavin's not getting anything for Christmas anymore. Keeps breaking it. Dad's safe. Yeah. Well, and I guess uh, getting back to it, like that would be the the curious thing. Like, yes, we've seen how Rasputin and Siva can interact in a way, not directly, but at least through through words. Uh, But in terms of how the different levels of AI could interact with something like Siva. And what it would do with uh, with that information, I think, is the the point of why they kind of showcased what was going on with Red. Just to say, like, I know it's there. I know it's trying to force itself, like, into my brain. Mm-hmm. I know it's trying to take something over. But I'm not sure if this is a good idea or not. Try. And that's why it needs to refer back to Rasputin to say, do I, do I like... Let this in, let it do its thing, or is this a bad idea? Well, it doesn't have the either the brain power or it wasn't programmed enough to know to, to do so or not. This is a, a side question, slightly mm-hmm. a little bit off topic, somewhat still on topic. Was SIVA capable of only um, planetary development in so much as it's uh, building things? Uh, machine-like, or was it capable of it? Uh, no, we, it, it, it was capable of building anything. Yep, I gotta say, until you ended up giving it another pattern, that's uh, that's at least the way it's kind of outlined in the uh, Al Sector records. Mm-hmm. Uh, until and, you give it a different directive, right? Uh, and it and will continue also, to build on that. What's that? Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have the Willa Bray conversation within the Siva fragments in which she's explaining the colonization protocols in mm-hmm. in which they're basically the, the entire point of the Exodus project was basically to send Siva out ahead of the colonists so that when the colonists did land on planet blank or whatever that they mm-hmm. would have <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> that they would, would have a home already thriving so bear with me uh, there is a schedule on Nessus that talks about how, uh, or maybe not a scannable, it may be just a line that Failsafe says that she remembers like watching the planet be transformed. Granted, mm-hmm. in reference, it's primarily in reference to the Vex landing there, which is also kind of 
weird to think about that the Vex landed there after the Exodus Black crew did. Yeah. But could theoretically, because if we do know that her crew was alive for at least a part, a very, very short time at least, mm-hmm. after the crash and everything, wouldn't they automatically implement SIVA with SIVA on board? Because SIVA is on board Exodus Black. We do know that because there are a few voice lines where Failsafe says that. Wouldn't they automatically implement SIVA to try to terraform the the rock that they landed on into a habit, uh, some habitat that they can actually use, which would make me wonder if Failsafe does have the split with Siva as part of the the red part of the shift. That's kind of awkward because mm-hmm. it doesn't know what to do anymore. The argument I might have with that one is that the codes for Siva seem like they're locked behind uh, a set of uh, clearance codes that either she does not have access to or have been lost or Captain Jacobson was the only one that could use them, so on. The question is going to be, did they even know they had it? Because the way that, again, I'm reaching back into the Al Sector stuff, uh, the way that it seemed like they were trying to cater or build siva was kind of like an unknown entity in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways it was just like we need to shove this thing out there and get it going we also don't necessarily know and this kind of deals with the collapse a little bit but we don't know how quickly they needed to just get it on board and say okay this is kind of ready to go and our world's getting blown up here so here take it Mm -hmm. uh and that's that kind of gets lost i think in translation of how that could all be interpreted or looked at uh, at least my my opinion. The so, sorry. No, I mean I'm I'm just kind of continuing down the thought because if Siva is locked away, quote unquote, Siva does look for a directive that is like kind of sort of a basic directive that it has. Like with the, we kind of get that with the squirrel suit card when the the mites mm-hmm. are buzzing around. You kind of get the feeling that they're trying to get a directive of some sort. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. old Russia three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that card in mind, if the even if Jacobson did not reach and release Siva upon Nessus, would it be possible for Siva to continually try to find a directive of some sort if Siva is still Problem is, the SIVA can affect organic material too. Well, That's the and thing it, that drives me crazy. Yeah, and it, and we know it can because of the the Iron Lords at the very least. That and one quite okay clarification from Blue before we move sorry, on. Sorry, sorry, I I'm I'm really sorry. I just wanted oh. to uh, interject real quick. Exodus Red is on Ghost Fragment Old Russia two. Uh, yes, we get that. That is not the one that has Siva. So I misspoke. Exit or we don't know that it was an Exodus ship. The old Russia three is the one that is speaking about the Siva mites buzzing in the in yeah. the cargo hold, and that one sounds like that one. That ship I've always I I always confuse these two guards. So that's my fault. Um, Exodus Red never actually launched. So it's still on Earth, and it had colonists. It did not. It doesn't look like it had anything with Siva in it. The Siva, that, I think, 
Oh, sorry. I, I think we've had this argument before. Actually. I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure we have because I always <laughs> confuse these cards. Uh, they, they, ex- they're easy to confuse just with they, the way that they're worded. Sound, and I know honestly. it sounds like it's the same freaking person, but or right. thing that's speaking, which it might be if it's a if it's a frame speaking, it could be mm-hmm. a, a duplicate program. But uh, so yeah, Old Russia Two is Exodus Red. It has nothing to do with Siva. It has the colonist. Old right. Russia Three is the Siva, but we don't have clarification if that is an Exodus ship. Or if they had a different designation. I'm imagining that they might have had a different designation for the SIVA ships from the colonist ships. And and if that's I the wanna... case, then that might explain why. But it begs the question why SIVA is on Nessus. But that might explain mm-hmm. why the crew didn't use SIVA because they might not have SIVA. They what may they- not have even known about it. Like I said, right. like they, they honestly could have just been launched with it and that was it. Which if it was, if it... And personally, after knowing about Exodus Black and knowing about the fact that that did launch and so on, uh, I have always now interpreted three as being the initial AI for Exodus Black saying, I don't know what these things are. What do I do with them? And Rasputin just says, take them because you're going to need them. And that's at least how I've always interpreted that part. But again, that's that is definitely open for interpretation. Okay, another clarification is it's Old Russia 4, oh, not boy. 3. God dang it! I will get these there. things eventually. Okay. Hey, I'm only human, okay? I'm not, well, I'm not, I'm not an AI. Because 4... Are you yeah. sure? Are you no, sure no, about... No, yeah. I'm kidding. Apparently, uh, apparently <laughs> Justin thinks I'm fail-safe, so that's... that's, that's take okay. that for what I you thought will. he was. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we, we have clarification that Justin is Cade. Oh, God. Uh, sure. Yeah, there we go. I, I don't I'm know how much that. argument people are going to have with that statement, to right. be honest. Yes. Uh, I'm actually well, okay with that. We've been compared to the, the Vanguard mentors multiple times, so <laughs> I'm okay with this. Okay. So, uh, Old Rusher 4 is the one that deals with this yes. uh, unnamed Exodus. Uh, it's totally black, by the way. Uh, but the unnamed <laughs> but, Exodus but ship. It's not. But it's not, it's not clarified, but it totally it's, could no, be. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. Okay, bear, bear with me. It says, Kelly. in Old Russia 4, quote, mm-hmm. where once my cargo holds were full of tools, weapons, and materials, now they hold barely contained possibilities. Mm-hmm. End quote. Right. So, right. he basically is saying that it could the, be a tr- the, sh- the ship has ship. been... Yeah, it's a terraforming ship. It doesn't have anything other than the mites. But do we know that there was anybody else on Exodus? Black yes, we do the, know. We do know that crew? there were there were colonists and crew. Look at uh, Sturm and Drang because they actually talk about yes boarding and Exodus Black. I was doing something the other day on Nessus, and I and I don't remember if it's a transcript, it's a dialogue or what, but I got something that basically mentioned the colonist and crew of Exodus Black. Yeah. Right. That's that's my that's my only con- that's like my my big my big argument against that sh- cuz I would love that ship like to be Exodus Black. Because well, that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I so I just we, don't think it is. If we flip that argument, we initially said that once uh, the the cargo holds were full of it, that I can understand. But we're still not necessarily reserving back to the 
uh, colonist holds at all because those pods seem like they would have been oh, okay. in a, a okay. different zone, if nothing and else, we know of that the ship. Exodus ships were massive, so. Yeah, I'm going to say these things are like, what, five or six times the size of a shuttle with about yeah. the, the width of about 20 times that. So these things are massive. Mm-hmm. Like, they're able to hold a ton of stuff. Uh, but that would be the only contention I think I would have with that. I, I definitely see where you're going. But considering that they would want to keep most of that perhaps together, uh, just to keep SIVA, colonists, and everything uh, else together, I would think that you would want to merge those. But see, because, I, guess, I guess my other contention to that is that that would defeat the purpose mm, of sending SIVA out in advance so that when the colonists did land, there would already be a facility there. If they were to the place, SIVA would work. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, this is also the it, yeah. This is also though the point of uh, making sure that the ship has to be uh, effectively one space worthy, but two be able to have a habitable zone uh, to survive for an after point. Mm. Uh, let Let's bring up um, what's the fr- uh, Martian, the the one with Matt Damon. Yes. Uh, even if you go ahead and look at the fact that there has to be like a on Mars, obviously we can't breathe. If you go to another planet and whatnot, that you just cannot utilize anything uh, in terms of its natural resources. That means you would have to make up a, a type of habitable space. Uh, and this would need to be done. And you would have to almost factor that in with the math to know, well, how fast does SIVA actually work? And how long is it that we need to make sure that this ship is capable of producing uh, nitrogen, oxygen uh, atmosphere and be able to circulate air, uh, be able to live, breathe, etc. And all of this would have to kind of curtail back to it. But that's the the biggest thing. Um, Yeah, uh, Blue points it out here in chat, too, even uh, if they were awake on initial landing. And I think that's very true Uh, with something like SIVA. You wouldn't need anything to like be acted upon. You give it the option to say, "Go build trees or something, and build up this uh, carbon uh, atmosphere, carbon oxygen, nitrogen." Yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna say just for for carbon based living and and let it go. Could could that have Mm -hmm. been a possibility with SIVA? You know, these these are the things we don't necessarily know on its internal working but as far as like what we know of siva i my other than it's the most interesting ai we've got in the game and it's only reaction it's also the most limited yeah which is silly which is so silly gosh it but that's what makes it so fascinating like the whole wrath of the machine problem was because of bad programming Right. It's like well, the fallen have no idea what this thing does. They're just like, we'll go play with it and poke at it with sticks. The very yeah. first thing I thought of when we first land on Nessus was mm-hmm. this is where Siva is. Well, the red because, the, the red trees and everything like right. really give that sense. And because we know that when Siva created things for Wrath of the Machine, red was mm-hmm. a very predominant color in that expansion with the mm-hmm. different like ropey vine Twizzler sticks all over the place and the first scannable for for Rise of Iron, where you actually encountered the the, the Twizzler sticks out in the the Cosmodrome. Mm-hmm. That's immediately what I think of every time when I start thinking about Siva. Absolutely. Yeah. Where are my I mean, memory fragments the, then? Uh, Look, you. 
Dormant. <laughs> dormant. The, they're dormant is what happened. <laughs> they're dormant. Sorry, that one, that one was, <laughs> it's just, it was low-hanging in other words, on kids, that one. In other words, kids, we're going to science the ish out of this. Um, <laughs> so that's the most fascinating AI. I would say it's the most fascinating because it's the most alien AI to us. But it's not. That's it, what actually it, I would argue is that it's it's so fascinating because it is but it's, it's also not we can see well, because it's something it's, it's that we can have in reality real- in reality. Right. It's not because we can experience it, but it is because it's the least like us. Oh, you can okay. attribute, okay. Um, you. you can attribute mo- more emotion and stuff like that to not necessarily Rasputin because I don't know if that guy has emotions, but well, I would argue you he probably t- doesn't. I mean, he does listen to Tchaikovsky. That's all I'm going to say. Osiris? He was crazy, so... Are we saying Osiris doesn't have emotions? No, Rasputin. I think we were going to... Oh, Rasputin. Yeah. Yeah. Rasputin. No. No, I think... I've always been a big proponent of the argument that I think... I think we attribute a lot of... um, Mm. A lot of human kind of a personality to Osir- to the uh, Rasputin that's just not there. Like we, we tend to, to kind of humanize things where it's just not there. Like we, we think that snakes are evil because they're shifty and legless. And we think that <laughs> like, <laughs> we, you know, I think we, that's we, just you, Justin. Oh, it's just no, me. Oh. it's not. I have a, I have a coworker, a male coworker who's just as terrified of snakes, and it's hilarious. But it's not that a snake is evil. It's just that it, you know, it's not its fault. It was just built wrong. But it was it perhaps born that way? Yes, it was born that way. No, no, I'm I maintain that it was a choice to be legless. Um, <laughs> but. But what I'm getting at here is I don't think Rasputin is any more evil than he is good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think there's goodness or evil there to be had. Uh, I simply think I simply think that at the highest possible level of artificial intelligence that exists, Rasputin is still um, operating within his own framework. And I think he's just expanded his framework to such a magnificent scale that he is able to make to make such complex decisions on such spectacularly undefined data right. that that we we view his actions as being uh, you know what's the difference between him between him executing a uh, an algorithm that's that's more complex than any human mind could you know even think about comprehending in a thousand years and him acting on whim to us it's the same it's like you know it's it's kind of like the the early you know uh aboriginals attributing thunder to the gods being mad you know what i mean right it's there there's no anger in the sky or unless i'm sorry if you're an early aboriginal and you you disagree and you're listening to a podcast and you're listening to a podcast, which we've got some issues, but don't worry about it. I've never turned a listener away. But so 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying we attribute things to things, you know what I mean? And, this is and true. we I'm, always try to, to, to attribute meaning to the abstract. Right. I'm just, the only, the only thing that we, that we do not see so much in destiny that we've seen in other Bungie games is the AI that has an emotional bond, whether it's logical or illogical with, I'm thinking Cortana again, because she's the most readily accessible one. But how about your ghost? Well, or, or Cade or, or Sagira or, Mm. well, Sagira is still a ghost. Sagira to Osiris or your friendly beard. Exo. What? (laughs) The bearded Exo. The bearded Exo. Don't get me started on beards. Look you. Hey, okay. (laughs) But real quick, just a big shout to Justin there. The entire time you were, you were saying all that, all I could think of was hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. <laughs> and uh, the answer to life, the big, the big um, machine that's like it took like what was it like was it? ten generations yep. to answer, and it's like yep. the answer to life is <gasps> what was it? Uh, I was yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone, like everyone, just lost it. <laughs> that's not much of a question, is it? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's like the entire time you're talking about the calculations that are beyond and like all this stuff. I'm sitting right. there thinking of the giant computer. Did you bring Think the towel? Think of it like Did you bring the towel? <laughs> or the or the the robot who was uh oh, the, the robot who was emotionally the, depressed with a GPP genu- genuine people personality. We should talk about the genuinely depressed exos. <laughs> there, we do have an. We do have an. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> that's that. I'm not talking so, about you, Beard. I'm talking about the other. Like, never mind. Are you talking about when Cade no. got emo mm-hmm. over that skirt mm-hmm. just for a minute, for a hot yeah. minute? It wasn't a emo, hot minute. Emo, it was. Uh, it was kind of like you know several, several Sev- generations, perhaps Sev- several years, a yeah, couple of know. wipes. Along with a, a child that he may or may not have had, I just made myself really sad. Yeah, Cade's sad, sad, sad story. Uh, just, with just Ace. keep smiling, Cade. <laughs> yeah, gallows humor can only. Yeah, it, I mean so, the uh, other the other thing, real quick about Rasputin and you know the anthrop anthropor- anthropomorphizing. Gosh, Ooh. I cannot talk. Um, that you're talking about. Believe it's the big words. Yeah, no. That should teach me to try that again. Um, the other, the other thing too is that the reason that a lot of, arguably, a lot of people view AI as kind of terrifying and quote unquote evil is because AI, they're calculators. That's pure logic. There is no the the entire thing that you guys are saying is like that's exactly the problem. Is there is no emotion. There is no emotive connection between a calculator and the people that its calculations are having to remove. I mean, you see that with Rasputin well, when he kind of shut down during the collapse. He was like, oh, well, I'm built to win. And I would argue that emotion is actually a flawed logical process. So think of like logical or illogical, illogical process, I guess. So if somebody gets upset, they're having an uh, an illogical response to whatever the stimulus Mm. is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why an AI like Cortana can have 
what is perceived as emotions because she's she's breaking, she's going rampant. Well, yeah. smart AI I mean, actually, smart AI actually do have emotions. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I think, that's the thing with smart AIs in the Halo universe is they they actually do have emotions because they're they're modeled off a human brain. Whereas, like the what I I really like Justin's idea of focused AI or the dumb AIs, um, they're actually programmed, which is why a, a focused AI can be around for a very very long time, and a smart AI only has seven years before it 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 thinks itself to death, but it's it's basically computing based off the responses that it is that it has experienced and then extrapolating situations beyond that so but they are able to they are able to retain emotion because their basic foundation is a human brain instead of a a programmatic equation Right, but I'm saying that even the human brain is a programmatic, like a programmable type thing based off of logical and illogical responses. Illogical being kind of a broken response. It's very like not typical thinking about it. Well, and I guess it also, I don't, I. Mm. I can argue with um, this for like hours. I, yeah, yeah, I could, and also it's it's like the best kind of argument. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean that. Uh, I don't mean that. Sorry, I, I um, apologize. I did not mean that dismissively. I I apologize. No, no, no. We know, we know. Fail safe. You're good. Um, <laughs> Shut your modulator. So, <laughs> no, I guess what I was meaning there. Um, I I think it's it's the discrepancy here isn't between emotion, the emotional, and the emotionless. Because um, we we have an examples of human beings who are relatively emotionless. They're sociopaths. They they like mm-hmm. human empathy. They like mm-hmm. some of the basic programming constructs in our in our neural network, our bio neural network that make us who we are. Right. So that's that's not an inherently human thing. I, I think the difference is. Wait, hang on. Sorry. The, what what's not in. I'm sorry. Clarify that real quick. Uh, What's not innately being, human? Being emotionless or being emotional isn't is not inherently human. Empathy. Empathy. And see, I would and argue that empathy is. I would argue empathy is. I might be misunderstanding that. I think lack of uh, empathy. Empathy is a learned behavior, though. And any mm-hmm. any behavior, any I behavior. I disagree. I completely disagree on that one. Sorry. No, that's, that's not, uh, that's not accurate. I don't, it's, it's a compare, it's a comparative learned behavior. It's a comparative <laughs> learned emotional process and any emotional process that can be created by the human brain can be recreated by programming, but you need an algorithm that's complex enough to take in all of the, all of the, the different ins and outs of the, the empathic process. It, it, that's that, but what I was trying to get at in the end, and Blue, you can tear me apart here in just a sec. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, I'm not. I'm not going to tear no, you apart. No, I just, I think it's no, a nature no. versus nurture conversation. No, yeah, and there is a nature versus nurture uh, element to it. What I was going to say is that the the discrepancy between um, the artificial and the 
where you whether you want to call it biological intelligences isn't isn't necessarily emotional because emotional processes can be simulated they can be repu- they can be replicated um they're actually not even that complex i think the issue is um empathy it, this is just my well, empathy is just another emotional process. Mm-hmm. I think the interest is the hierarchy of self-interest. And empathy when is did the I... interaction <laughs> between the two people, right? So you have empathy for another. Empathy, you have to be able to feel what a, a proposed yeah, feeling of somebody else. Not You don't have necessarily have to feel it. You have to imagine what it would be like to feel it. So right. it's just a comparative emotional process. When, when did I step into this being a, a near automata debate? Because that's about yeah. what this sounds like. Mm, yes, welcome to Focus yes. Fire Chat. Um, yes. <laughs> um, welcome to Coffee Talk. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my coffee right here. Go ahead, Blue. I've got so, it coming. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I mean, this is this is me kind of my. This is a combination. This is this is a this is actually still. I mean, it's it's a fascinatingly hotly debated topic um even after you know god decades if not centuries of of both informal and formal research as far as psychological development um it's the nature it's it it harkens back to the nature versus nurture debate and that's the question of like where where do human personas and the personality that creates what is considered to be human, where does that actually stem from? Is it something that's nature? It's that it's like instinctual and there's something in there that is just going to be there no matter what you do. Or is it something that, you know, kind of like what you're saying, Justin, is that it's, it's quote unquote programmed or it's, it's part of your nurturing nurtured history. Um, I, I actually really argue that it's going to, it's a combination of the two. Um, because in in fact i i would argue that empathy the presence of empathy is something that is innate in in the majority of humans it is actually the absence of empathy which is an ab an abnormal thing and that's kind of what you were talking about with like uh sociopathy uh a sociopath is a person who is incapable of empathy uh which kind of to go into line with this this topic tonight is that's kind of what artificial intelligence is is that they are very very aligned more with the sociopathic tendencies that is not to say that they can't act like they have empathy they cannot act like they have emotion they they do often quite quite well uh you see that with failsafe in the quest about like how she's trying to understand um uh, depression about her crew dying and she's mm-hmm. like i don't i don't feel this i don't and i mean she's very transparent about it and i love this quest because of this actual conversation that she has with herself and it's it's i don't feel this but i know that i should be feeling this and i want to try to understand it understand what it means to feel this with the understanding that i am i am literally incapable of feeling this. And so we go through the motions of, of feeling sorrow and feeling grief, but that does not at ever does. It never transcends to the point in which it actually creates an emotional response. You can go through the motions of something and to others, you they are perceived as being grieving, 
but that does not mean that the in the ability to grieve is there. Does that well, does that make sense? It it mm. does. But Mystic actually put a really good line in chat about empathy and what it kind of is. Right, right, yeah, survival living instinct. Beings, living creatures. Even I would even argue. Um, it's an like answer. It's a, yeah, it's, it's an a chemical release. It's a it's a the act of empathy releases chemicals in the human brain that assist in creating bonds between people and ass- assisting in their survival. I would even argue to the extent that plants have something similar, even though there's no like quote unquote emotion tied to it. You can see this when a tree is growing, like a, a brand new tree is trying to grow, and there's a giant branch of another tree there. The tree beneath will actually bend and grow around it without actually touching it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an evolutionary process as but well. Is that, uh, is that, I mean, and I'm not arguing cause I don't know, is that an empathic process or is that simply a response to an external stimuli by the, much, much like it'll much well, like it'll grow towards the sun. But I mean, with, with living with natural intelligences, what's the difference? Right. Um, and I, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I'm, I'm being serious. What, what's the difference? Because to the experience of the living thing, there is no difference. Well, there, there's a slight difference. Like, um, me eliciting an emotional response from me mm-hmm. when, when I hear that, that somebody's son passed away, mm-hmm. I have a son like that elicits an, an emotional response for me because there's a hypothetical situation now playing out in my head, in my mind mm-hmm. that, that Maybe I've lost my, that, that, yeah, that I've lost my son and inside my bl- my brain, there's a neurochemical reaction happening. And just like right. we're talking about releasing endorphins or whatever it takes um, to make me sad or to make me have this emotional response is happening. But and, and and my my argument isn't that it's different at a at a um a chemical level or a physical level but at a mental level there was a a period of visualization that preceded the physical response correct and here's here's my counter argument that you just presented my point and my argument here is that at no point in your existence were you taught that you needed to elicit an emotional response to a part of information given to you. You were never taught that. That is something that is mm. innately, that's just, humans just do, actually not just humans, living things in general, kind of as far as we can tell, and you know, because communication gaps between species obviously exist, but so I, when I speak of living things, it's yes, it's predominantly human. I'm, I'm assuming if you have a level of sentience that, you know, a dogs, just going to put that out there. Dog. I mean, right, right. I mean, and, but I, dogs are weird because of the dopamine response to physical touch. Like, eh, anyways, but yes, like there is a degree of empathy there as well. But the thing is, is there is never a point in your history that you were, that you were like, I know this is silly, but it's like you weren't sat down by your dad or your parents and said, okay, when someone tells you sad news, we need you to connect it to this event. 
No, it's mm-hmm. when someone tells you so, you know, because I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a parent. I know exactly what you're talking about. I it happens to me every time someone talks about a kid left in a car. Like I get mm-hmm. I get physically sick because and angry and, and yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of emotions and words that I'm not going to say. Yeah. But I mean, but but that has never been it's it's never been taught to me. Like it just it I had a child, you know, like my son was born and before he was born, I remember getting like uncomfortable when this particular topic was brought up, but it was just uncomfortable. It was just discomfort, right? There was nothing really there. As soon as my son was born and I remember like it was like two or three weeks after he was born, there was a really bad case. Um, and I think it was in Houston and I remember getting physically ill and like to the degree that I, I, it's still stuck in my head. And that was never like, that was never a point at which it was like, Hey, you know, now that you have a kid, you need to, you need to connect the dot. Like no one ever said that. That was just something that innately empathetically, I was able to connect to that situation happening to me and putting myself in my, then putting myself in the shoes of that other person and experiencing those emotions. And that is what empathy is. Empathy is taking your situation, taking your sense of self and putting it in another person's sense of self and kind of getting a feel of what that would be. And that's not something that can be taught. It, it can't like because it's, it's, it's all about emotions. It's you can't you cannot teach emotions. You can you can condition over years and years of whatever input certain responses like you can have a Pavlovian situation, sure, but that actual that actual spark that connects things, that's not something that's possible to be taught. But could it be programmed? Get, not so, taught. So, so okay. Not taught. It okay. allowed allowed um, a, a space given, within which to grow. Given that you don't so um Given that we don't know how to teach it and given that we don't know where from from whence it springs, I'm going to argue, no, it can't because you don't know the basis of it. You can't program it because you don't know what it is. It's like it's like the argument against the ghost in the machine, right? We don't know what if you're religious, you you don't know the the concept of the connection between a spiritual and the physical. There there's nothing in your brain that's like, hey, here's the linchpin that connects your soul to your body. Like, it just we don't know that, so we can't program that. Yeah, well, and green green. Sorry, that's that's actually my next point. If you want to bring that up, sorry, beard beard. I'm sorry. I don't know which. Go one ahead. Oh, so. It's okay. Um, I was only going to say uh, based on, and this this could be because I'm a highly emotional person. Uh, I tend to, I tend to feel things quite a bit more. So even with something that is, quote unquote, unfeeling, because I'll make the argument that she can, uh, or it can. However, you really want to talk about failsafe. Uh, when she goes into second, like flat form. For me, that's where you start to really feel the real failsafe. And in that same quest, you start to kind of hear, especially with the end, 
she does feel remorseful about so many different things that uh, that does happen. And she's even able, as it's been kind of pointed out already, she's able to understand that, yes, I should feel this way. Is it that she does feel that way and she's trying to keep it hidden? And that's at least the the side of her that is logical. Because per this point now, she has those double sides. One side is obviously very illogical. The other is very logical. And that's where I'm having a really hard time like just saying that she is one thing or another. At least just focusing on her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Green, sorry. I know you had you were you had a response as well, Green. Oh, I'm I'm just the thing is is we could perpetuate this argument for a very long time because this is a very hot button topic in some respects. Well, it's also very theoretical for sure. Yes. And very subjective. So. Yeah. It, yes. I mean and and, and I let me I, I will reiterate. I I'm not I don't mean to be I don't mean to come across if I'm coming across hostile, that is not my intention. Um, this is something that is um, very close to to my personal, not really beliefs, but just experiences. Um, and it is something that I've spent a lot of my life researching simply because I, I go through it. Um, so, like... It's just something that I've kind of have a lot of bias towards, and I know that sometimes that might come across as hostile. So, Justin, you know, this is me being completely trans. I am not, I'm not meaning to sound like I'm, you know, attacking or anything like that by any means. Oh, well, then just disregard the DM I just sent you. <laughs> <laughs> Explicitive, <laughs> explicit side. Of if that could get lost, that would be great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if that no. could get lost, <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't take it that way at all, Blue. You're just you're just super knowledgeable about this, so you you have very informed opinions on the matter, and uh, yeah, right. But yeah, I also so. but I also want to reiterate too that they they are opinions. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't mean to make it. F- I this, don't mean anyone to feel like I'm belittling that because they might disagree with me. No, actually yeah. I, I want to have a conversation and that's, that's one of the best, that's one of the things I love about, you know, this group and our, our chat in general, you know, and I've said that tons of times yeah. is that we all have different opinions. We all have different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I apparently well, don't have an internet connection right now. Apparently. No, I no. Yeah, everybody got kicked. Um, Everybody. Also, though, also, though, it's it's worth noting, it's worth noting that just with with what we've been talking about for like the last 30 minutes, it's it's like working with Quicksilver. Like this is this is like right. the most yeah. slippery of ta- mm-hmm. of topics ever, because I love dealing in things that are ones or zeros mm-hmm. that I can point to a thing and I can say this is a fact and I can say this. But so much of this is subjective. So no, I didn't take any of that that way, Blue. Okay. That's okay. That's I, I well, really yeah, actually enjoyed. I, I enjoyed your point of view and I found it very informative. Um, real quick, Beard. Before before I let you mm-hmm. uh, dancing in chat actually brings up a really good point. Also, in reality, is um, individuals on the spectrum of autism mm-hmm. uh, who who do have emotions, but um, 
are they, don't they are not visible. The they're not. They're, they're sorry. Sorry. Let me. Let me. It's not that they're not visible. It's that we don't perceive them as as responses that we would understand. So, yeah, like right. their their emotional response is different, and that perception it's, is missed on the by most people. Well, it's for lack of a better way to put it, it's it's foreign to right, yeah, language. how we would natively translate it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and what I was going to point out, it a, the idea and concept of AI is so interesting because realistically, here we are as human beings. <laughs> in a way, creating life. Uh, I'm going to quote, uh, I think, the the best part about the new uh, Alien stuff that's coming out, yes. both Prometheus and Covenant, uh, is the the android, uh, android life form of David. <gasps> yeah. And I love how they put everything together with him. And by the way, Michael Fassbender, you are amazing with all of that. If you ever happen to watch this, oh my god! Anyway, so the <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, there there are a few like Nathan Fillion and Michael Fassbender. Mm. Oh, oh. Anyway, uh, his <laughs> acting is incredible. Just with the way that he that he portrays David, David, was, and then yeah, his in David in oh, and then how quickly he can switch between Walter and David. And how different both of those characters are is exceptional. And it gives this this interesting and provocative look at two different takes of AI. Walter, if, if you guys aren't familiar with like Alien Covenant, by the way, or Prometheus, getting past some of the horror aspects and whatnot, it is so worth it just to, if you're like an AI buff like I am, to look into how <laughs> both of those characters are put together. It is amazing. Prometheus wasn't but, a lot of horror, if I remember. No. There was it, a few it's more awkward of, scenes, but... It was, um, I can think of one in particular. Right, yeah, about, no, no, that's you know, the one that, like... into things anyway. Yeah, that, that's, that's a scene <sighs> that you should probably just skip, but, like, yeah, that wasn't... Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify even that scene as horror. I haven't seen Covenant yet, but... Um, it was uh, it was very slasher horror, like, oh, okay. like Alien usually is. Okay. Uh, but uh, Covenant takes on a, a different and if you haven't seen covenant i highly recommend you do yeah, it. I, I, um, it's on my list of things to, oh my god after chat uh, apparently <laughs> I, i've actually keeps um, yelling at me about it <laughs> i got uh covenant when uh when work actually had it on sale for seven dollars nice. i nice. absolutely feel like i robbed them for what that movie was like <laughs> um Excellent movie, excellent portrayal of everything, but I am getting so far off topic. It is it is amazing. Uh, this idea, though, with uh, the opening scene of Covenant, and I don't feel like I'm spoiling much because it's the very opening. Uh, you have uh, David that is born, and you have um, you have uh, Wayland that is uh, standing by. Uh, like listening to David, talking about David, etc. And he is effectively saying like, well, what do you see? And you start to hear David just kind of talking about, well, I see a piano and I can kind of tell you and, and I can also tell you what type of piano that is. I see art, but I'm going to tell you what that art is. He has these program responses that kind of build. 
the entire thing builds up into this uh the 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 whole climax of the discussion basically be uh is like well if you created me who created you and mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. and that's the entire discussion of course of how prometheus and the new alien stuff is kind of going is like well who is it that created the xenomorphs what is it that created this entire idea uh, and why do they exist in the first place? Because they seem like they're terrifying individuals or or alien life forms that exist. But who created them? What created them? Uh, and then this comes back to even the android level. And Walter, later on in the film, points out that, well, your model was destroyed, David, and was basically wiped out for the sake that you were too emotional. You had too much of a remo- uh, an emotional response to everything and you see this with the way that he is built up and acts uh and and i think that this pertains to to everything in terms of like what we're talking about because again like we as humans have the ability that we are now creating a different form of life and for us that is another meaning another ant uh, uh page possibly in understanding that next step of how we were possibly created or what created us and we feel that this is a a way we can connect with our creator. Um, and that's again, kind of like the, the emotional, uh, and, and emotional, philosophical, and even spiritual response to the way that AI is basically like put together. Uh, one reason I love the way, um, I, I didn't read the whole comment, but just, I, I love how exos are formed and this thought that maybe not every exo is made as a, <laughs> Uh, a war machine is made for different purpose. Mm-hmm. Maybe it isn't just a, uh, a a human consciousness that's stuffed inside of a frame. Maybe it is a machine consciousness that exists as well. Uh, and again, it's just this this mind blowing idea that we are creating a form of life to try to understand what drives us in a different sense altogether. And I feel like that was one of my biggest tangents ever but carry on i'm just i'm just i'm staying silent because the the comment about creating life and the potential tangent for exos is just <sighs> amazing it's it's, it's a it, siren it, song that's singing to me beard it's a right. siren song and um should we do an episode on that sometime? I don't. Another because I have a feeling I, that would be a two-hour episode. I, I don't oh, have enough yeah, time in an episode to put it on YouTube to be like I cannot justify <laughs> anything right now in terms of talking about exos and consciousness without losing my freaking mind. It we just would not happen. No, it wouldn't happen. It it's would a be a two-hour video. It would just be me rambling. That's that would be all it would be. That's why oh, you have us. That's why you have us. <laughs> I want to go to there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that would. Uh, I I have uh, especially with some of the new stuff. With uh, mm-hmm. speaking of exos, uh, with the the connections that we're starting to see with possibly them and the vex, which have been a a mild uh, topic of conversation over the last several years now. Uh, ha- has kind of formulated to more of this um, the, this headway with what we're seeing with scans on Nessus. Uh, I, I love some of these connections that are starting to pop up 
and then you start talking about the the AI consciousness or build of how the the Vex would would act. Besides, like, do how far do we constitute them as AI? What kind of AI? Again, going back to the idea of alien, who created them? This this whole idea stems from the idea uh, of and and at least the way that Bungie like creates their. Uh, they're a, a machine for uh, forms out machina forms out to be they are given life they have life and they have uh emotion to a degree or do they like the vex <clears throat> there's these different <laughs> levels that exist like we we basically contemplated and talked about with different levels of ai as a as a whole form uh and and bungie does a very good job of like tailoring all of those together of of wrapping them all together. Uh, and you have the EXO integrating with the VEX, where the EXO are like straight, almost near one. Almost like I just noticed uh, Justin's. Yeah, yeah name. Justin's. Anyway, name changed. Ivan, God. Because <laughs> um, I was like, wait, I'm usually first one in the list. What happened here? Um, but. Uh, like I these, remember the exos. It, bitch. <laughs> oh no! Don't do it. Um, but like the exo, a a highly emotional system that exists in terms of um, artificial intelligence. If we classify them as such, blue will say yes. I will say no. Um, it just <laughs> in terms of the the way that uh, they they handle interfa- interfacing with a a non emotional system like the vex. And what can the Vex learn from that? They don't understand paracausality. Do they understand humor? Do they understand feelings? Can they understand feelings? Hmm. It just depends on if they have a positronic brain or not. Uh, Right. That's, yeah. What's that data? Calm down. Look, Lore. I don't need to hear this. God, the reason why is and this is this is something Green knows. I'm gonna I complain about all the time is Banshee's gift. Banshee's yes. gift in the dawning. I'm sorry, but I'm so perturbed by this because you're literally creating artificial memories for him specifically. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and I'm just to me, I'm just like, okay, we're seeing a lot, and this is this is just this may just be me being kind of overreactive about it, but this is now like the third or fourth time that we've seen something actually get its memory wiped in the game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel like that's not just I. You want to know my honest opinion? I don't think that the lore people, the writers, had any say in what Banshee's gift was going to be. Right, and, and Banshee's so Banshee's gift, I can. I'm like, but I, I, my problem is, it's like if it was just that, that's that's fine. But like, I mean, we have an adventure where Ghost gets his memory completely wiped. We have right. a DLC where not only does Ghost not remember anything, but he literally gets possessed by another ghost. Which is hilarious. I mean, yes, yes. Like, ultimately, in the big scheme of things, absolutely love it. Like, I loved having Sagira as our ghost for the DLC simply because it was just the the, the voice acting was amazing. But and it was I, different. It was different, right? And and I and I. It, but the the. I guess my my point is is that up until now, the um. 
the the axiom has been you know this is this is a ghost and you know we know that it's it's kind of a, an ai but so far it's it's been directly connected to the traveler and so it's kind of been kind of above things like this and now in destiny 2 we have gotten new information which is completely fine i'm going to clarify mm. that i am completely okay with it but my brain is doing flip flops because Basically, the the assumed facts are being shifted, which that's okay. That's that's great that we're getting that clarification, but that does have tremendous effects and ripples down the stream from those changes. Because now we know a war mine can affect the memory files of our ghost. That's kind of a big Dude. problem. Don't right. get me started on right. That no, I mean, all. but I mean, please that's don't, that's kind of, don't. and then and then even bigger. So this connects back to the Osiris connection. So we have Osiris, who is has slander from Destiny One from the Concordat about being resurrected and artificial memories, and art and Osiris himself asking about do ghosts facilitate memories and all this this stuff going on, and then then in the dawning. One of the gifts that we give one of the major vendors is artificially created memories that affect him and and cr- make make him happy. Like mm-hmm. we actually change his his knowledge of his existence, which is exactly a nod back to Osiris's very one of Osiris's primary questions of are we artificially given these memories to make us more compliant? to the orders of the traveler and ultimately the speaker and all these other things. Or are, is Banshee such a tragic broken entity? That <laughs> I mean, he, he is memories might be the kindest gift he ever received. Okay. Right. right. I, and, and I don't, I'm, uh, I'm not arguing that point I mean, at you all. You can argue the ethics. You can argue the ethics of the act, but the reasoning seems fairly plausible I the reasoning the seems perfectly plausible i'm saying the the impact of the ability to do that oh yes but i think that helps show that there is things that can change there are things that can change the ghosts are not infallible right the ghosts but, can be modified exos are not necessarily uncorruptible in any way and if you can think of it as a corruption it's them taking the next step to say that yes things can be shifted can be changed which does call into question a lot of what's going on in the grimoire in our histories in a lot of things but that's the same thing with any kind of reprogramming or corruption it can the lies can be put in place it just takes a freaking campaign of lies to replace a typical thought in society it's the same thing it's a reprogramming and it it, yes it's frustrating but i think it is an incredibly natural way for the game to go oh you and and again i agree with that statement Hmm. i'm just my brain is doing flip-flops because of the ripples that that requires us as well just more it lends some, cre- it lends some credence to uh, Osiris's little quip about, you know, how much of your memories are yours, right. and how many were, you know, 
put there. I'm starting to feel like a lot of them in character were, I mean, cause the other problem is, is like who created the bullet that we give Banshee? Hmm. Right. Because if we're creating artificial memories for an exo, is that something? And so, yeah, I'm just going to stop because <laughs> there's a lot of issues with that because we're just like, going to keep going with we're this. Just to do an we're going to stop. We're we doing an do. exo episode is what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, man. Because this is like, oh, so many well, small issues. And, and I would still say like we are treading on. I'm going to bring it up again. We are treading on like near automata territory so much. And are we? It, I haven't, I haven't played any it, of those. So it does. Um, and, and near automata specifically, uh, there are some, if you will, reset points that exist within the original near, but automata just takes them to the nth degree. Mm. And I don't mean to like bring it up for the sake that it's a different video game. I bring it up for the sake that it ties back so much to exactly what we're talking about to prove a point so well that I think it does it almost too well. Yeah. No. If I get to talk about Halo every episode, game you want to prove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, real quick, Greed. I know Greed kind of was like, hey, we should all do have a final word from each other about the dangers of AI. <laughs> about what the uh, dangers are. Because we will totally, I mean, if you haven't, if well, if you don't know this by about us, we can go forever. Um, mm-hmm. But especially about, especially I've been about told this. That about um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> I guess the, the upgraded A-Ivan. I was talking about lore. Mm-hmm. AI. Did you did you change your voice at all? Like, are you, like, did you did you like deepen it? Is that just you? <laughs> no, no that's just... back away from the. It's high talk. Oh, um, all right. When I when I took on this moniker that is AI, then um, Justin is a monocle. No, so uh, no moniker. <laughs> moniker. Read a book. Read you a are, book. Read. You, you, you are you are the butler's eyepiece. Congratulations. Yes. yes. Okay. So you want to know what I think the dangers of AI? Are. Um. So I think the main danger of AI is that we're so terribly flawed and broken that um, AI is better than we are. <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, it's it's the Ultron argument. Is there anything wrong with Ultron, or is he just the most reasonable one in the room? Um, because if you just step back and look at humankind, sometimes you can really point your point your finger to some things that are, you know, really unacceptable. And uh, so that I think that's the main danger of AI is when AI branches out to the point to where it it starts to question its maker. And um, there's I think there's specific times where, it, at least examples in fiction, where it's at least it's, it's hard to root against the robots sometimes, I guess. Is, the big danger for me is that we get kind of usurped as the, the highest level of intelligence. 
That's a fair point. Beard, what about you? What are, What is your final word on the dangers of AI within Destiny? I mean, do I need anything else except Terminator? Wait, that's not yeah. Destiny. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think the Skynet. the overalls with yeah, really um, the the overalls within like Destiny as a whole uh, would simply be that like if we turned everything over at a critical point that we're at right now where our civilization could immediately be like wiped out in an instant if we started to trust ai as a whole uh that would end up i think at least in an overall kind of solidify our downfall only because our abilities as guardians especially are paracausal they don't follow any logical uh overall feeling behind them uh they are if you will a little bit more emotional behind most everything else and and in that respect i think if we were to turn over any kind of decision making that we have to a a more logical uh entity that would end up spelling a bit of doom for us in the end uh i don't think i'm summing it up as well as i'd like to but it's just a matter that we need to be we need to be careful of what it is that we actually do trust uh granted i guess that's destiny as a whole so anyway good job tevis Hmm. Rasputin's not an ally. Hear me, blood. <laughs> Look, don't don't remind me of characters that actually need to be in the game, please. Oh, Tavis is so <laughs> green. Uh, mine kind of goes back to our little tirade earlier about emotions and whatnot. With that, I think the biggest danger in Destiny specifically is the language barrier between us and the AIs we're going to assume they have an emotional response, which is something that I think Justin brought up really early on in the episode. And so by assuming that we're going to try to predict things that they do and predict wrong and probably piss them off in the meantime, even though they can't have an emotional response or a logic. Anyway, I think it's going to be a lost in translation type thing. Personally, blue. I just want to take a chance and apologize for the empathy tangent that (laughs) we had and most of the psychological tangents that we had. You know what? I empathize with you. No, you would. I I knew that's what you were going to say already. You're too predictable now. You are a predictable AI, Ivan. You got to fix that. Listen. Listen, if you would like me to be more erratic, I could take on a SIVA component. Um, <laughs> look, that would only be pr- possible behind the actual code that you have with SIVA, okay? You fail on that one, too. Try again. And no, I'm not unhinging you. You can't handle the truth. What? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, I need a doll. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. <laughs> Wait, 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 beard, beard. Yo, yo. Your mommy, right? <laughs> just gotta, I just want to make sure we get the right hierarchy. <laughs> well, I mean, I am the more emotional one in the room. What? Hang on. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to run through an outro that will probably, we'll probably be around for a little bit of an after show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. 
thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. Bright.